Hello, welcome to episode 23 or 24, 24, I think. Oh, it's episode 24. Jesus Christ, there's been a lot of episodes. Welcome to episode 24 of Unseeded, um, the somewhat weekly tennis podcast hosted by me and no longer by Fur. Oh, you have to add like a sad effect, sound effect. You're the one that said you can't do it weekly anymore. It's your fault. (laughs) <laughs> it's my fault. It's your fault. <laughs> no. I was doing fault. daily episodes. <laughs> I know. I mean, to my, in my defense, you don't have a regular job. Are you so telling me that I don't have, have a weird... proper job because I work in hospitality? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm saying Are you, you, are you discrediting the work of hospitality workers up and down this country? Oh, <gasps> uh, yeah. Across the world. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just saying it's maybe easier for you because you have different times. I have to stick to a schedule that's always the same. So that's easier. But, I don't know what shifts I'm no, working not. every week. No, it's not because I have other things to do as well. I have like other activities and it's just going to barbecues. It gets too much. No, I'm going to my Italian Sunbathing. lessons. Yeah, I don't need to sunbathe. <laughs> it's hard enough. Anyway, yes. Uh, so obviously, this is our Roland Garros wrap up episode. Um, I can give you the complete download of everything that happened at Roland Garros in the first week because I was there. And then unfortunately, in the second week, I was no longer at Roland Garros, which was sad. And um, you were working, actually. So I know I was working, it. which was a nightmare. Speaking I didn't of. actually see much uh, of, of the tennis uh, in the second week, which was a nightmare. I managed to watch both. I was off work for both days of uh, the semifinals. Um, admittedly, because the first day I was just off work anyway for women's semifinals, and then for men's semifinals, I was off work because I was incredibly ill. Um, so, I mean, I watched both semifinals, um, and maybe that's where we should start because it was probably the most anticipated match in a mm. very long time. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz against Novak Djokovic, and yeah. it was not very good. Well, yeah, I don't think that's the match everyone was anticipating. I to think. be fair, it, it wasn't. Like, the first set was, like, good, but it wasn't like, wow, this is what we wanted. Because, like, Novak Djokovic just came out and was just like, yeah, I'm the guy that's won 22 Grand Slams. I'm going to prove a point. Um, and he came <laughs> out and proved a point and just played fantastically for the first set. And then finally, in the second set, Carlos Alcaraz was sort of finding his way. He'd sort of... Uh, figured out what he was doing he he won the set it took him plenty of chances to bloody serve out the set um and yeah i mean he i think he broke Djokovic's serve to win the set in the end because he was leading by break he got broken back the first time that he was uh Djokovic was love 40 down and Alcaraz had triple set point that was the moment at which i was just like yeah Novak Djokovic is I mean, it's not the first time I've ever sat there and thought Novak Djokovic is very good at tennis, but it was like, yeah, Novak Djokovic is sort of on another level because yeah, I think- coming from Love 40 down, admittedly he got broken to love in the next service game, but Alcaraz was also playing phenomenal tennis. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes him and obviously Roger and Rafa like not just incredible tennis players, but like legends, like mm. amazing champions, like that ability to like that resilience, I guess, you know, which is also what I noticed um, with Iga in the final. It's like no matter how it's going, that I don't know, that confidence to just like calm down because it must be like horrible, you know, like losing yeah. a match or even like not playing your best and, you know, but then like, that's what they have that younger players like Alcaraz, who's like incredibly talented. I mean, Alcaraz has won a US Open, but he's not. Yeah, won. but he's still very young. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you kind of compare like to Djokovic, you know, who now mm. has like 23 Grand Slams. And Djokovic has won, at, at that point, he had won, already won two French Opens. Yeah. Uh, Alcaraz hadn't, still hasn't won any, obviously. Djokovic now exactly. has three. I think as well, the 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 most obvious thing is, is like in, I remember it being said in that documentary. I remember we did like a little episode on it in, uh, do you know the documentary about the 2008 final, mm. Wimbledon, which is just like, you don't know that you can win these things until you've actually done it. Yeah. Djokovic yeah. has won this one twice. Alcaraz hasn't. I know he's got a slam, but you, yeah, you, so he knows that he can get across the line. Whereas, and as well, when Alcaraz won the U S open, Rafa, he didn't have to face Rafa at this tournament because Rafa was injured. He got knocked out earlier on. Yeah. I think at the fourth round, Djokovic wasn't there. Federer was obviously retired. He said Alcaraz has never had to play a informed, good Roger Federer. Whereas this was the first slam that he was vying for and was potentially a favourite for, at which he had to play one of these guys. And I think that was the thing. It was the, not only is it the physicality and that Djokovic, he's 36 years old, is he? 35 years old. And he somehow was looking like the fittest guy on court against a 20 year old. Uh, But also it's, it's the physical pressure, not the, not physical, uh, the mental pressure that Djokovic was putting Alcaraz under. Cause it was like, as much as Djokovic was probably getting frustrated because he was like, these would be winners against most other guys. It's the same for Alcaraz. He's hitting against Novak Djokovic, who has the most unbelievable defence, bar maybe Rafa Nadal or Roland Garros. You cannot get past this guy. And I think, I mean, as he says, uh, I'm pretty sure in the press conference, it's like the mental pressure is what caused the cramping in the end because the cramping came at the start of the third set. And... What a devastating set. <laughs> Killed the match. And even then, supposedly, I saw on Twitter, Andy Roddick had noticed it right at the end of the second set. Roddick was watching it and was keeping an eye on um, Alcaraz because when you start cramping in tennis at that level yeah. and you get the full body cramps, everything goes. Because he was looking at his hand, uh, his hand was cramping, couldn't grip the racket properly. And then he closed out that second set. And then, yeah, very early on in the third, 
his calf cramped and he was done. Yeah, I think, I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say, but before this match, Alcaraz has had it like relatively easy because he's played like, I mean, he's won against like great players, like, I don't know, Tsitsipas or Zverev or whatever, but playing like... There's good players and then there's yeah. great players. Yeah, exactly. And he, he never faced Roger or like Rafa. He, he, he's, like, he's beaten Rafa and Novak, but in best of three sets, not best of five. Yeah, not in Grand Slams. Yeah. And also, like it's, it's, I think it's everything. It's like the pressure of a Grand Slam, which already on its own is like a lot, but also the pressure of playing like an amazing player, like a legend on a Grand Slam. I feel like, yeah, that got the better of him. And for Djokovic, obviously, you know, he comes with like all the confidence, the experience, knowing that he has won against the best, you know, like yeah. he's, he's not, he hasn't only played Roger and Rafa, he's won against them many times. So yeah. obviously all of this really like, I don't know, I think they, it makes you like super confident and which is I'm, what something that Djokovic has always been is very confident. And, and what that must plays it be like to his for, favor. And what must it be like for Novak, who's Alcaraz is the next gen. He's he's the guy that's going to take over. But then so was Sitsipas. Sitsipas was the chosen one. You had in that same generation. You had Zverev as well. You had yeah. Medvedev. They I mean, before really, that, you had Dimitrov. That that it. He saw off that era. And then before that, you had yeah Dimitrov. Brownich, this group of players that was like, these are the ones that are going to take over that none of these generations ever have. So it's like, what must it be like when you're like Novak and you're going up against these players and you're just like, well, are they any different from the last lot? Yeah, I think for him, it's like, obviously, it all comes down to his physicality. As long as he's fit to play, I think he's going to keep dominating because mm no one's there to match him the only people who could match his level were roger and rafa yeah and now they're gone so like there's there's no stopping him now one thing that i i was actually fascinated by is so um when i've when i've gone to um do these doubles tennis lessons at david lloyd obviously the i've spoken to the coach there quite a bit because he also used to just go to the pub that I used to work at. Um, <laughs> and we're having a conversation once about Carlos Alcaraz, because he's now seen Carlos Alcaraz a few times live. And he would, he's, he's, he told me once that um, he's never got the hype, mm. which I personally don't understand because I've seen Carlos Alcaraz live and it's electric. It's amazing. Carlos yeah. Alcaraz is, is an unbelievable tennis player. He's an unbelievable talent. There's very few players that it's more enjoyable watching. Hmm. He's got the shots. He's got basically everything. But it's interesting that someone who is actually a coach that teaches a lot of tennis yeah. looks think... at him and he's just like, I don't quite get it. Obviously, think... he recognises that Alcaraz is a brilliant tennis player because he's... Yeah. There's no, no denying that. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, it comes down to preference as well. Because, like, his yeah. style will not be, like, what everyone's, you know. Yeah, no. Ideally, I would like someone uh, at the top of the game that has... 
a one-handed backhand uh, is excellent at the net. Um, we're not we're not having another Roger Federer. But the problem is, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I just want constantly a Roger Federer type player or just Roger Federer. Yeah, <laughs> I wish we could clone tennis. him. <laughs> we could have a 20 year old Roger Federer right now. Well, I mean, if his kids, I think he's. I don't think his daughters play, but I think his sons were actually like kind of like into it. Like they like tennis better. So maybe, yeah, I, know, I don't know. In twenty it's, years, uh, yeah, maybe. Or we just need yeah someone else to come along. That's uh... although the only young players <laughs> that I can think years. of with like one-handed backhands are. I mean, Sitzpass is not really young anymore, um, and it's not particularly <laughs> so good sad. backhand. Um, no, I was thinking about Rinka when he's not young. Massetti, he's got a good one-hander. Mm. But then he got absolutely taken apart by Carlos Alcaraz. But yeah, uh, also the other men's semi-final was uh, Rude against Zverev. And the one <laughs> thing that I took away from that match is Zverev ever going to win a slam. It's like, I, I was also thinking, is Sitsipas ever going to win a slam when I was watching this? Because it's like, I know Kasparud isn't actually that much younger than... So Kasparud is like my age, essentially. He's 24, yeah. Um, He's 25 yeah, this year. Mad. It's like and yeah so he's just a little bit older than me Zverev is like 26 or something yeah, is he he's older he's and oh no he's 26 and yeah I'd like he's so they're not there's not that big an age gap but I was just watching it and I was just like I kind of feel like I know Zverev had his injuries but even then he should be better than he is now and like Casper Ruud just took yeah. him apart. Casper Ruud just showed that he is a much better tennis player than Zverev. Yeah, I don't, I don't really get Zverev because, like you said, you would have expected more from him by now, um, especially after all the hype and whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It's just with him, especially. And Zverev as well. If you look at his record against top 10 players at Grand Slams, I think he's only ever beaten a top 10 mm. player once at a Grand Slam. Like, he has got an awful record. And it's like, and I don't understand it with Zverev because whereas Tsitsipas, you, there are more identifiable weaknesses mm. in his game. Like, you look at Sitsipas's backhand and you're like, well, <laughs> every top player is just going to mm. go after that backhand because it's bad. Whereas Zverev, it's like the weaknesses are less. He's got a really good serve. He's got a decent forehand. He's got an excellent backhand. He's good at the net. I think, yeah, it's... It's like, why, why does he keep losing all these matches? And I just, maybe his level is just not, as high as we once thought it yeah, could be. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because it's the thing I'm mixed between like mentally and just physically because he has had some injuries as well. I mean, I know everyone does, so it's not like. But his record was just as bad before he. Had yeah, the which is where the mentally, like the mental issues come. Like I think I don't, I don't, I couldn't explain it. Um, but yeah, I don't see why. 
he couldn't do more. And I mean, I mean, he can still win some stuff. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I ever see him winning a Grand Slam. Um, especially now, like that he's not that young, and he's not gonna be like. There's only gonna be more like generations, more players coming in, like you know, who's go- who are gonna be like amazingly, mm. like in a physical level. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't see him winning Grand Slam, but I don't see why he couldn't like at least reach a final. Yeah, well, he has reached yeah. one final, and <laughs> go well. I've got to say that the the twenty twenty U.S. Open final was not the best final I think has ever been played in a Grand Slam, considering it was. I mean, it was quite. It was a long final, to be fair, but it was also just like you're watching two players, and it's like who's not going to lose this match i feel like that was the sense of that final i actually like team i like dominic team but i I like come on that final was a bit yeah i know he's He's so injured barely yeah exactly um but yeah, uh, so the women's semi-finals, there was not in chronological order, um, but there was Haddad Meyer against uh, Iga Sviantec. Sviantec won. I mean, it was a pretty straightforward first set for Sviantec. Got a little bit difficult in the, the second set. Haddad Meyer did lead by a break, but then Sviantec still won it. Um, but I mean, if we're talking about the best semi-final out of all of them, Mukova against Sabalenka. Oh, what a great semi-final. Mukova taking the first set, Sabalenka taking the second. And it was an interesting final set where Sabalenka led five games to two and then proceeded to play some of the worst tennis I have seen in a very long time. I mean, I know... Clearly Sabalenka's got it in her still because this is like the new Sabalenka that we saw this year, which is like efficient at Grand Slaps, like just powering her way through opponents. It suddenly went back to Sabalenka of last year where she can't find the court in semifinals, Um, which, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, I was delighted for Karolina Mukova. It's well documented since I saw her live at Roland Garros (laughs) in the first week. Uh, now. I have I am Carolina Mukova's biggest fan uh, I even sent a message to her saying that she is the closest to Roger Federer's game yeah, style there is big claim. actively playing oh come on it's true though I don't know I think that sort of floating into the net I don't know I think that it's just you know there's no there's never going to be another Roger. If you were, but as well, there's similar things. It's like the construction of the forehand, and she's got a very rare forehand for the WTA tour in that her entire arm straightens mm-hmm. out yeah. during the swing. Her arm is straightened out, and her wrist is right back, which is a very federal. Yeah, I think the final wasn't motion. a good place to compare her to Roger. Because obviously there's just a lot of things that happen. No, I mean, losing a Roland Garros final, that is a Roger Federer thing to do. So rude. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, so uh, if we just move on to the finals now, we'll naturally carry on with the women's final, which was Igor Fiontek beating Karolina Mukova 6-2-5-7-6-4. I mean... I mean, it was sort of what you'd expect from Igor Swiatek in the first set. The uh, second set was very close. That was the one that I properly got to see because I was on my break uh, at work. So (laughs) naturally I put on, I sat there watching the tennis, of course, um, and then proceeded to have every one of my colleagues walk past and laugh at watching the tennis. Um, Yeah, I apparently Uh, talk about tennis far too much. I see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Mukova was really good in that second set. And I mean, she was good early on in the third set. She led by break. Um, and then Sviontek broke back. I mean, it was a very sad way. Yeah. You would never. Yeah. Ball. I don't think anyone really truly enjoys it when, when it's ends like that. But I mean. Although to be fair, the only the only crowd that I've watched cheer a double fault is is the French crowd. Um, <laughs> well, when were they cheering for a double fault? Oh, I, when I was at the uh, Monfils oh, against okay. Baez match. Yeah, um, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, they were cheering Baez as double faults, which makes sense, but still, it's a bit harsh. But yeah, I mean, Sviatek um, defending her title, first woman to do it since Justin Hennen since. 2007 so yeah yeah it's not it's not an everyday thing impressive she had uh chris mm-hmm. Everett present the trophy as well and she's obviously won quite a few <laughs> roland garrises yeah. herself um yeah <laughs> i mean more than a few um but yeah no it was uh oh, i mean it was a good 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 final i'm i mean as well i'm just so glad that Mukova's had such a good run. It, it, it is nice for her to have a run because considering her injuries, yeah. Um, and she's clearly a incredibly talented. Yeah, I player. think you could you could totally tell. I mean, no, maybe not by this score, but like by the way she was playing. Like the first set, what shot can <laughs> she not hit? I, don't, I mean, she is quite good. I I do think mo- this was mostly like nerves. Because like in the first set, she was really struggling to get like into the rhythm of the game, um, with lots of errors and stuff. And then, I think in the second, it kind of like settled in. You know, like she kind of like got into it, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I actually, I'm a, I'm really good. I can do this." Because um, she was down, like, like you said, like she was down love three. And she still managed to win that set. So that was like really impressive. Um, and I mean, to, again, we're, we're saying the same about Alcaraz and, and Djokovic, to play like Iga, who, I mean, albeit she's not Djokovic, but she's like really good. She's she's played like a lot of players. She's this defending champion. She's like, yeah, and she's the like store. demolished everyone. To To be able to like, stand against her and actually win a set it's like already in a final it's like already a lot and that and it is impressive and considering considering the results in all of Iga's previous finals where she every time she's played a final and she's won it she's not dropped a set 
Um, her Grand Slam final record is, well, until now, <laughs> it was spotless. Yeah, you could see her um, getting more frustrating the second set. Um, she was like doing more like errors and stuff. But. And this is, this is the interesting thing. It was interesting because we very rarely get to see what Sviontek is like in a real third set yeah. scrap because when she's been beaten this year, often she's been beaten pretty handily or she is beating the opponent pretty handily. Which is what I think, like, she's she's not always able to, like, deal with the frustration of, like, losing because she, mm. she usually wins really fast, you know? So when she's losing... She, I feel like she gets too, like, I don't know, like, she's not able to, like, focus, you know? Why am I not beating this Yeah, exactly. This she's like, well, what am I doing? <laughs> and maybe that gets into her head. I don't know. I mean, obviously, in a Grand Slam setting and in a final, it's, it's much more nerve-wracking for the person who's not the favorite. So... I guess she was always like a little bit more comfortable, but yeah, she got it together in the third set, um, kind of like a wake up call losing. I mean, she was a great. Yeah, down, I mean, but, but yeah. it's the third um, set. It's, you expect everything. <laughs> there's, I mean, not to go on a massive rant because I've done so many rants about yeah. inequality in tennis, but this is where we need best of five at least in women's Grand Slams finals mm. or the latter stages, because this is the problem, isn't it? It's like Mukova in her first Grand Slam final is obviously going to be nervous. And uh, admittedly, she did come back and win mm. the, the second set, but she was a set and a breakdown in like no time at all. And how many times does that happen? And how many players in that situation just get overwhelmed and then yeah, the match is true. done? But I, I think I mean, like, you, you go into it knowing it, how it is. Yeah, but Grand Slam finals, it should be, all of them should just be, I mean, best of five sets is the best form of tennis. It should be a marathon, a marathon to watch, a marathon to I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think that's very fair. Because it's not, why they're not as, you know, the physicality of a woman and of a man, it's not the same. Yeah, but you don't, you don't say to like women's footballers, oh, you should only play that's like different, 30 that's a minute team halves. Sport. You don't have the same person doing no, everything. I mean, everyone's elite yeah, athletes. Yeah, I know, but I, it's fine. Something. I would make. And, and if you actually look at the history of why women play best of three, it's because at like the start of the 20th century, a group of men sat down and decided that yeah, women I mean, weren't I fit enough it's a, to play best of five. A decision made by men. Why? <laughs> I mean, of course, only them would choose to do that. But I, if anything, I think I would make the men's three sets. Because it's three sets anyway, no. most of the time. It's just grand slams. What would you change? Yeah, no, but come on, the best matches, the most historic matches are the men's finals that have yeah, gone the but, distance. I mean, I think sometimes that's that's what leads to lots of injuries as well. Okay. Yeah, but come on, 2008 uh, Wimbledon, it wouldn't be as good if Nadal just won it straight sets in different. those first two sets, would it? That's like a very specific... <laughs> you know. Borg McEnroe, if Borg just won straight sets. Yeah, I don't know. I just think 
I don't know. I mean, maybe they could like try it at like one tournament and see how it goes. I think it's just, it would also like timing wise. My proposal is, and my proposal will always be, is that in the first week, both men and women play best of three. And then in the second week, when you get to the fourth round onwards, both play best of five. Uh, I think I can get behind that actually, because if it's only like a few games, and obviously you you come to it, well, in the case of men, like rested because you've only played. It would mean that Andy Murray is no longer getting beyond the first round for the rest of his life because Andy Murray needs <laughs> exactly. to go two sets down. That's why you love five sets because of Andy Murray. <laughs> Yeah, but come on, that is like the best match of the year so far, isn't it? Murray against Kokonakis. That was amazing. Fan favourite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... yeah. Oh, well, we'll, we'll always talk about it. We'll talk about the women's final. But yeah, my point still stands, yeah. I think. Um, that would have been a better women's final if, if there had to be at least another set played. I mean, um, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think it would be an interesting proposal. Like first week three best of three and second week best of best of five. I could see that being interesting. Yeah, I, I think idea. two weeks of best of five is too much, but one week it's, it's doable. Because also you have less and then matches, uh, so you have like more time in the day, you know, and then you can feel it. And so I think yeah. that would be actually really good for like people who go and watch. And come on, like as well, it would mean more interesting matches, like more interesting finals. And maybe it would mean if women play best of five, that Roland Garros would actually schedule some women to play the I don't night think session. That's the reason um, why they don't schedule women, to be fair. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. well they wouldn't have an excuse yeah. if they, if they um, best of five from women. Yeah. Well, then it'd be interesting well, they come to up see with. what. what bullshit they yeah. come up with yeah <laughs> um but anyway the men's final won by novak djokovic uh beating kasper rood seven six six three seven five so i mean it's closer than uh the final last year that also involved kasper rood uh because kasper rood lost to uh Rafa Nadal last year in a more thorough fashion, 6 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 
US Open's always a bit mad, but he's he's already been in that situation before, and I think he will have learnt from it. He's been in that situation where he's gone into the US Open with the calendar slam. He's even been in the final of the US Open with the calendar slam on the line. Yeah. So I kind of feel like if he goes into it this year, he knows what he's going in for. He knows what the pressure is going to be. Because I think that was that final, the 2021 US Open final where he lost to Medvedev, I think that was one of the few times at which you see that the pressure got to mm. Novak. If he goes into that Wimbledon champion as well, he knows what he's going in for. <clears throat> I think he will do it. Because um, we've we've seen that he can he can turn it up against Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, I mean it will be interesting. Turn it up against Casperucci again. And oh yeah, no, I'd love yeah, to see I them playing a hard court. I, do, as well. I think um, that will help Alcaraz. Yeah, well, I mean. It's not like Djokovic has got a bad record on half. No, so, but I but... think like at least like a different setting will be good for him because he he won't be like dwelling on that. I think as well, it's difficult for Alcaraz being the the new young Spanish guy. Yeah, at Roland Garros, following. Yeah, Nadal. and he hates the comparison as well. I mean, it must get a bit annoying. Yeah, especially when, I mean, he's always said Nadal is not even his favourite. Also, yeah, and also his coach, Juan Carlos Ferrero, former Roland Garros champion, that probably adds a bit of pressure as well. I mean, he's still so young. Like, he's going to win it. I mean, he's still 20. This thing we're talking about him (laughs) as if he's like a seasoned pro at times. Yeah, he's he's going to, I'm very sure he's going to win Roland Garros at some point. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, sure I think when when Djokovic retires, <laughs> like... might might take him a little bit longer to win Wimbledon. Yeah, just because like grass is hard. I think it takes a lot of people a lot of time to learn how to play on grass, unless you've grown up playing grass, which is yeah. very few. Very like, um, it's also the, the, the like shortest um, season, so it's not even that important yeah. for many players. Hmm. But yeah, no, I th- I didn't think Casper Ruud played badly in this final at all. Um, I did notice from from what I saw of it anyway that uh, the age old tactic of uh, playing into to Casper mm. Ruud's backhand works. Obviously, last year it was a bit easier for Nadal, who's got a super spinny forehand, lefty forehand going into his backhand. But as well, Djokovic's backhand is going into Casper's backhand. It's like you'd, uh, there's definitely one that you'd uh, you'd back over the other. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, I mean, it's just like another thing as well. I I want to point out is our first episode of this. We had a conversation about Novak Djokovic having his jacket with the number twenty two <laughs> on. This year he had another jacket with the, this time he had the jacket with yeah. the number twenty three. Oh, on. was it like? Which Spider-Man is just like theme. I really, I really, really, really want to. Uh, there must be like some sort of archive of like tennis clothing that was supposed to come oh, out. No, I don't know if they would if, admit to it. If a player had, well, because I, there must be <laughs> from twenty twenty one like a Novak Lacoste yeah, calendar slam jacket probably. somewhere. There must be a Roger Federer 
Wimbledon 2008, six Wimbledons in a row, cardigan <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> somewhere. I'd love to see that. <laughs> like, all of these things must exist. Like, because we only see them if they win. I don't they think must they, have they been would made. Like, ever admit to it. I think it's too embarrassing. They won't admit yeah. to it. It is embarrassing. <laughs> I bet you as soon as they come off court, they get <laughs> It's the only copy and it disappears forever. <laughs> yeah. They get destroyed I'm and we never sure see it again. It um, but yeah, if, if, if I ever get the privilege of interviewing Roger Federer, my first question will be, what item of clothing did you have ready for... I don't think you would ever He'd be like, very hush hush. She'd be like, oh, I can't say that or something like that. Or if I interview Novak, I'll be like, what item of clothing did you have ready when you, for if you won the calendar slam in twenty? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he'd admit to it either. I mean, maybe he would. I think he'd yeah. be more likely to admit to it. I think, I think, I think yeah, Federer would be a bit wouldn't. more coy. He'd, uh, he'd play like cool. Yeah. But I have a fun game for us. Well, right. it's not a game, but... Shall we see who won on the predictions? Oh my God, Jesus Christ. Right, our predictions were like, I know I get told off by my parents for <laughs> swearing on this podcast, but our I predictions mean, were I shit. predicted the winner. You didn't predict Djokovic. Oh, you predicted Sviontek. <laughs> You're the only person that So I think that makes me a champion, winner. really. Yeah. So if we just go through our finals so for the men's singles we have dennis that had carlos alcaraz against yannick sinner neither of them in the final are you doing you had carlos alcaraz against yannick sinner neither yeah. of them in the final i had carlos alcaraz <laughs> against daniel medvedev daniel medvedev that went out <laughs> in the first round against tiago saboff wild <laughs> um we me and you had picked Alcaraz yeah. to win. And then we look at the women's singles final. Both you and Dennis had Igor Sviontek against mm. Arena Sabalenka. Not a wild one. <laughs> I had... Yeah, I mean, Igor Sviontek was in the final. I had Elena Rabakina against Zhang Chinwen. <laughs> what was that about? To be fair... I don't. I still stand by my Elena. Yeah, Rabatkin that wasn't that wasn't so right. because that makes sense because Sviontek has not beaten Rabatkina this year. If Rabatkina was fit and healthy, I would have expected her to get to yeah. that semi final. And I think it's it's not unfair to to predict Rabatkina to win that semi final, even though it's at Roland Garros. Because the head to head would would be a factor, but then yeah, uh, admittedly, Zhang Chenwen making the final was a moment of madness. That was just me predicting a player that I liked, because that half of the draw I just that was picked you players that I who liked. You wanted to see, like yeah. Leila Fernandez the making the quarterfinal. I mean, I mean, she went doubles. to the final, so that's enough. She went to the final, yeah. Uh, that was won by uh, Wong Jin Yu and Shay Su Wei. Um, I actually watched oh, okay. those semi finals. They're actually quite fun. Um, 
Yeah, I quite like. I do like the doubles, and also they were being played on court Simo Machia. So I was just watching those those uh, semi finals, just like, oh, I want to be sat there on court Simo Machia again. It's my favourite place Gosh, in the world. Get a room. Court Simo Machia in the evening. If you go like, um, if you're in the stand opposite, if you're in the top tier of the stand opposite uh, the umpire's chair. And you go right to the back in the evening. It's amazing because then you mm. can see Chatria yeah. in the distance as well. It's like in the evening, so oh, it's beautiful. Um, but maybe you'll yeah. know next year. I, I want to go next year, so maybe I will. Yeah. Although you won't get press passes next year because you're sure not going to be part share of the podcast. Yours with you? me. So our predictions were really, really bad. Um, um, mine were good. But yeah, so Counting. obviously. <laughs> I win. So yeah, obviously Ryan and Garros this year is over. Broly G has come to the end. But yeah, we move in to the grass court swing. Exciting. Um, which I do love the grass. I love grass court tennis, but I do love clay as well. Um, and also, it's it's harder to get excited about the grass court swing because I know I knew when we were moving into clay. As soon as the clay court swing started, I knew at the end of this, I'm going to be at Roller Garros. Whereas it's like, I'm not going to Wimbledon unless I get in the queue this year because um, obviously uh, Wimbledon tickets are impossible to get because they yeah, want to keep the clubs wild. out. Um, it's horrible. Yeah. So that's a nightmare. Uh, honestly, like Roland Garros put Wimbledon to shame. Like, it, it's so easy. Once you've got a ticket, you literally just stroll up to the gates of Roland Garros and you get in within about 10 minutes. They're so Wimbledon efficient at never. getting through the queue. And then Wimbledon, first of all, if you get a ticket, which is nigh on impossible, unless you pay many, many I thousands saw, of pounds to get I a defensive seat. I saw tickets for like £2,000 for one ticket. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so that's that's where you basically buy someone's seat mm. who has a debenture. Um, because yeah, um you can't go and let the plebs into Wimbledon because like rich people would then have to see like interact <laughs> with the poor and you can't have that at Wimbledon. I mean um, <laughs> We're not here for the tennis. <laughs> no, then nobody is there that's for the tennis so at Wimbledon. Sad. Like honestly like last year when I went, I like you're either surrounded by posh people that are just there to put on their Instagram <laughs> that they're at Wimbledon, or you're just surrounded by people that are drunk out of yeah. their minds. To be fair, I went, I went for the finals had... with Megan, and it was really good. Mm-hmm. Like there were lots of people who were normal, you know, like regular fans, but they were in, on the hill. Yeah, but that's because you're, wa- yeah. you're watching the that's, big screen. That's where yeah. the real crowd is. That's where yeah. the actual tennis fans are because they're there to watch the tennis. Whereas I bet you if you go to the if you go to centre court on men's yeah. singles final day, all you've got is like rich people and for some reason <laughs> Tom Cruise. Yeah. Why is it so much easier going to Roland Garros where I literally have to book a hotel and travel to another country? Yeah than it is going to the Grand Slam that is hosted not only in the easier, city Not only easier, but cheaper probably as well. <laughs> you know, that's insane. Yeah. 
should we move on to other tennis news? Tennis like, sorry, I mean, we. Uh, I will apologise to the listeners because we we did briefly brush over the Roland Garros finals and we got somehow distracted <laughs> by a uh, Wimbledon rant. Um, but let's move on to yeah the uh, the it couple, the power couple. <laughs> I saw them described as I wouldn't say that. Um, but the new the new tennis couple. Well, I mean, I I think we just need an opportunity to cringe over it for just a few minutes. Um, the Sitsidosa. That's a horrible does. couple name. Yeah, uh, it's terrible. Um, I would do Paddy. I can't pass think of anything something. else. I mean. I guess everyone's seen that video. I mean, it's just a bit cringy. <laughs> I, I I put on our, our Twitter account, it's like, I think the only good thing that could come out of this, if we have to deal with all the cringe of the Instagram stories or whatever, is that Padossa finally makes Sitsipas realise that he needs to sack his dad. <laughs> I don't know. Because that's the only way that Sitsipas is yeah, going to win anything. True. Like, the fact is, he had Mark Philippus as a part of his team, and supposedly the choice became between keeping his dad or having Mark mm. Philippoussis as his coach. And he chose his dad rather than the seasoned, incredible tennis player. I just I just don't see how a parent can be, you know, there's, there's a point when they stop being, or like a family member like Tony Nadal, where they stop being like helpful and they become like an obstacle. Because sometimes you need to hear like oh, to be fair. bad things. And to be fair, Tony Nadal is is a phenomenal coach for Rafa Nadal, even to this day, because it <laughs> seems like Tony Nadal just goes and coaches other players and then tells them. That they <laughs> yeah, that's, that's be not him being a great coach to Nadal. <laughs> that's him being a great uncle to Nadal. <laughs> That's him being a terrible else, yeah. coach to Ojo Aliassime. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you look at like Judy Murray, who was a tennis, who is a tennis coach, but then she got to a point where it was like, I've taken Andy as much as I can. And then she stepped aside. The like, There's a few players that has worked. Like, I mean, Casper Rude is an example. His dad, Christian Rude, is his coach, but that's because Christian Rude was a top pro. Obviously not to the yeah. extent of Casper Rude, but he was a former ATP pro that has been on the tour. Yeah. So that makes I sense. I think sometimes like, it's like pageant parents, you know, like they're, I think there's a lot- they're so hungry for like attention and like some sort of power that they stop. Like you're doing this for your kid. You're not doing this for yourself or you shouldn't be doing this for yourself. But like, they like that part of like being the coach. That's like, if it's not for the best, like just don't do it. I think there's a lot of tennis parents that are sort of living vicariously yeah. through their children. They're, they're living the careers yeah. that they wish Which they is, had. I mean, just setting them up for failure. That's horrible. Yeah. Which, to be fair, if I had a kid and they were a tennis prodigy, I would find yeah. it hard. I mean, of course. I'm sure. I mean, it's not nice. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be just like... But then I've watched another... I've watched enough tennis to know that I would be a very bad coach. I'd be yeah. a terrible coach. I'd I'd end up teaching them a probably a a crap serve and a even worse yeah. backhand. But also, like I don't know, I don't, I don't think I would want that pressure. Although I teach them a pretty good like deep slice on the backhand. Yeah, I think at some maybe when they're kids, it's okay. 
But at some point, when、mm. they're in this stage of their career, it's for for the best, you know. They they really need like another.、Yeah. They like you need when they're、yeah. kids. You need a parent around, but when when they're at a point where they're professional tennis players, like maybe a parent around, like Judy Murray, goes、yeah. around the world with Andy Murray, but doesn't get involved in the coaching. That's fine,、um, but yeah, we, I think we've got sidetracked a lot of times in this episode. I mean,、um, but yeah, we're coming to an end. We're coming to an end of your last regular episode. Do you have any any favorite <laughs> memories of recording any, this podcast? Any favorite episodes?、Uh, any?、Uh, I don't know. I think all of them, or most of them, were like quite fun on their own. Way, I I will not miss、yeah. the quiz. <laughs> We only yeah, we only did、horrible. that once. And to think it wasn't even a quiz for tennis players. When you're next back, I'm gonna give yeah, you a quiz. Yeah. Oh no, I don't want to be quizzed. I go on a high though because I won. My predictions won. So. Yeah. Although you will still be invited to take part in yeah, other yeah, I, I will take part in predictions for Wimbledon. I'll take that.、Mm. I mean, you can. How about you come back as well? Not only for the Wimbledon episode, but how about when they release part?、Oh, they're releasing that、point? pretty soon, aren't they? I saw. A, I saw an ad for it. Yeah, you can do that one because all you got to do is watch a Netflix series to be able to yeah, take part in that、true. podcast. Yeah, I might. Nice and easy. It's also going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. It's it's been、Thank、a pleasure.、You. Thank you. It has been really nice, and it's not、um, goodbye forever. <laughs> I'll be back. No, you're you are welcome back、um, when you get your act <laughs> together. You. When I have my apartment ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can come back on the podcast when you can when you can go through the hard effort of watching <laughs>、oh, some tennis matches. It is matches. hard work. It's not easy being me. I know. <laughs> no, it's really tough life.、Um, I mean, you don't work on weekends. I have other things to do. I have to assemble furniture. For God's sake, you could listen to the tennis on the What? radio. What is that a thing? Have you never listened to、no. tennis on the radio before? That's that quite good. I quite actual, like it. A real thing? Do they put it on the radio? What's the point? Yeah, it's quite good.、Mm, I'd recommend it.、No. Give it a go. If I'm walking to work and the tennis is still on, if anything, sometimes I would watch it with、like、no it. audio. I don't see the point of like. <laughs> yeah, I struggle with I struggle watching things without audio. But yeah, no.、Uh, thank you for being on this、thank、podcast. You. You're welcome back, if you, if you so choose.、Um, obviously, I would expect you to take part in at least yeah, Wimbledon、definitely. predictions and U.S. Open、um, predictions. I'll I will I'll be... nail those. U.S. Open prediction, yeah,、um, but yeah, I suppose we should probably end this episode、yeah. before we get to an hour of audio. But I've got a day、oh, off work, another so one. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got a day off work, so I will actually be able to edit it,、uh, which would be nice.、Um, but yeah,、uh, thank you very much for listening. Let's end it. Do you want to、That's、end this podcast?、True. You've never done、okay. it before. So, thank you for listening.、Um, please follow us on Twitter、uh, at Unsuited Pod and and Instagram 
<laughs> at Unseated Pod as well. Um, yeah, be nice. Rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening in. Be positive. Be nice. You can send us an email as well. <laughs> I don't remember our email account. <laughs> Has anyone actually ever sent an email? Have you Have you checked? No. Oh. Yeah. I get the notifications on my phone and oh, okay. it literally never well, been sent an email. I don't know why anyone would send an email anyway. <laughs> but yeah, send us an email if you want to. Um, at um, unsuitedpod at gmail.com. And yeah, this is the end. Do you want, to, do you want me to now show you <laughs> how it's done properly? That was a great sign off. Here is how you do it properly. So thank you very much for listening. It's been a delight. Remember, we have an That's Instagram so and a Twitter at Unseeded Pod for both of them. Uh, we would like it if you could rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to us on and also subscribe to us there. Um, and also we do have an email address, which is unseededpod at, uh, at gmail.com. So thank you very much for listening and that goodbye. That is that how you sign off a podcast. Horrible. I mean, yeah. it's better than what you did. It, Immediately now. You sounded like you were reading an, you sounded like you were very badly <laughs> reading an auto cue and there wasn't an or like you were very badly reading a script that wasn't there you just it was just like you couldn't that's talk true. properly that's racist this is my second language that's a hate crime rob goodbye bye, rob. Uh, how do you say goodbye in french <laughs> au revoir <laughs> hello sorry i was just putting this at the end because i realized today whilst editing that the audio is a bit out of sync in time so i just wanted to apologize for that obviously it's not ideal I tried to get back in order as much as possible, but yeah, I've had to cut out quite a lot at the end where we were trying to say goodbye in a quite long convoluted um, manner. But yeah, so I thought I'd just properly end the podcast now. So goodbye. Hopefully see you next week. I'm not sure what's going to be happening. And yeah, I'll just express my thanks again to Sarah for doing this for the last uh, many weeks because um, it's been fun. But yeah, thank you for listening and goodbye.